With all that said, it's time for the word of the Lord. I was thinking this morning of a preacher that he was trying to figure out what the perfect length of a sermon was, and finally he got it timed to where he could put a mint in his mouth. And by the time that mint was gone, he knew it was time to shut up. And so one Sunday morning, he stepped into the pulpit, he reached into his pocket, and he pulled it out, put it in his mouth, and he started preaching. And he preached, 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 and he preached. And his wife's looking at him, looking at her watch, and after a while, she shakes it, makes sure it's still working. And finally, she gets his attention, and she goes... And he got the message and tried to wind it up. She said, what in the world happened to you? He said, I don't know, but right toward the end, I realized it wasn't a men, it was a button. <laughs> so I have no button in my mouth today and I have no mint. And so I, I, I don't have a time restraint, but I do know that your hunger is putting some kind of restraint on me today. We want you to have plenty of time. I would ask you to be patient with us. Uh, when you get out, it's very crisp. They're not all in order. Please just hang on. We'll get it there. It's very crippling when you don't have a kitchen to work out of and when you don't have the normal things that you're used to having at your aid uh, in an event like this. But I want to thank Brother Landon and uh, all the people that came to help yesterday set up and then the food that's been prepared and then all of the crawfish that are going to give up their lives today and all the shrimp and oh by the way chicken we have a hundred pieces of chicken so I don't think you'll have to go home hungry today but anyway the book of Acts chapter 9 Acts the ninth chapter I'm going to read for time's sake only one verse verse number 17 but it the whole first of this chapter is involved in what I want to draw your attention to this morning. I'm going to read verse number 17, Acts chapter 9. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to draw your attention back to the first portion The scripture says, and entering into the house and putting his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, amen. I want to talk to you about the true language of the church. Amen. The true language of the church. Before we do that, Let's take a moment. This is Memorial Day weekend. How many have served in the military in our congregation? Would you lift your hand? All over this congregation. 
We're thankful for every one of you. We want to honor you in some way. But I am grateful today that we still live in a land where we have the liberty to worship. Would you just lift your hands and your voice and give praise to the Lord that we can still do that today. Thank you, Lord, for every sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for everything that has been done to bring us to where we are. We are grateful today, and we honor you, Lord, for all of your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is our getting to know you service, and we want to welcome all of you to Greater Life Church. And we invite uh, you to join in in getting to know one another. I'm glad you're here. The Lord is glad you're here. And I think if you will only take the time and make the effort, you will discover that others are glad that you're here as well. Want to make yourself at home and make yourself feel as if you belong because in truth you do. If there's one thing that I've learned in life, it is that you never say never. Especially when you're raising kids. It's amazing what wisdom people have before they have kids. And then how that wisdom changes once they've had kids. Things that they said they would never do, uh, they wind up doing. Because in life, there's just a simple uh, principle that you're going to have to get to uh, to know, and that is that you never say never. You never write off anything. You never write off anybody because you never know when one day one person could walk into your life and have an impact upon your life that could be life-changing. I believe that it's possible that every service There's a game changer that walks into our service or there's a game changer that walks into our life. I believe every day that we live, we have opportunities that come our way. That if we are sensitive to them and we are awake, they can be the greatest thing that ever happened. By saying that we uh, never are going to do something or that we're never going to have that opportunity is to actually close the door to that opportunity and close the door to the possibilities. Many times I am convinced we exclude something from our life with the words, never, never. It will never happen to me. I will never do that. Never say never. How many times have those words caused us to miss a special opportunity that God has brought into our lives, wanting it to be there for a very particular reason? The unfolding drama of Acts chapter 9 is one that changed the whole trajectory of the church. What happened in chapter 9? was the most unlikely thing that any New Testament believer at that time could have imagined. It was far beyond anyone's thinking 
that a man like Saul would be the one who would have the hand of God laid upon him and he would be turned and he would be changed in just a moment of time. The unlikelihood of such a thing happening was beyond anyone's scope of thinking. It was, as some say, a game changer for the New Testament church. For the Apostle Paul, as he would become known, would change the entire world with the passion and ministry that he took to the far reaches of the known world. To Ananias of Damascus, there was given a commission, and it was unparalleled in the annals of the new church. The Christianity that had come out of uh, the, the, the Jerusalem revival and, and the church that had been birthed out of that event. He was given an opportunity, and he was given a commission He was the chosen one of God to bring hope and to bring a message of Saul to a stricken soul of a man by the name of Saul. When it happened, there was little, if not skepticism, of what had happened. But finally, Ananias went. And what he did when he went is so important to me. And I pray that it will become important to you. Because Saul had been the persecutor. Saul was the one who had terrorized the young church. And he had vandalized Christianity with his passionate hatred. The one who had breathed out threatenings against so many. And was on his way to do greater damage. When something happened that changed everything in his life. Pursuing the Christians to their death was his desire and his passion. And then in one moment on the road to Damascus, an intervention by the Lord and everything changed. And Ananias was to give to Saul the comfort and the knowledge of the grace of God which were to transfigure his life. It would change the whole current of his sympathies and his future labors would be affected by what would happen on this day. If left to himself, Ananias no doubt would have been like many of us. He probably never would have done what he did that day if the Lord had not spoken so firmly to him. And then finally when he goes, I can see him in my mind as he stands before the place where he has been instructed to go. The door opens and what he beholds is a man stricken, helpless, blind. Here stands before him the most unlikely candidate for a new member of the church that had ever been seen. What an opportunity for Ananias to exact some revenge. What an opportunity for Ananias to have taken his moment and rebuked Saul for all that he had done against the church. Here is their enemy. It was the enemy of 
every New Testament believer. And now he stands vulnerable and defenseless before Ananias, blind, unable to see. And yet what Ananias does speaks volumes to me because the scripture says he went right up to Saul and he laid his hand on him and he said, Brother Saul, amen, Brother Saul. To me, in all circumstances, these are some of the most powerful words that were ever spoken to anybody. For if there was anyone that didn't deserve that moniker, brother, it was Saul. If there was anyone that didn't deserve his hand or or, or the hand of the ministry being laid upon him, it was Saul. Under the circumstances, there was no greater words or action that could have been done or spoken that would have spoken greater things to this man who stood before him blind and helpless. First of all, the Bible said he laid his hand on him. That was a gesture of fellowship. That was a gesture of inclusion. Saul, I want to take the wall down. I want you to know that I have no animosity toward you. It was an expression of recognizing him as a fellow Christian or a fellow part of the family of God. The first contact that this terrorist had was with the church in this moment and it was begun with the mere hand reaching out to touch him. Never underestimate the power of your touch when you come into a church setting because that touch can make the difference in somebody's life. It can be the thing that brings the wall down. It can be the very thing that makes them feel that they have come to the right place and they're there for the right purpose. The second thing that he did was call him Brother Saul. Words of encouragement that must have been when Saul heard them, brother Saul. Not an enemy, not an alien, but a brother, a family member, a part of the, the family of God. The first recorded man to call Saul a Christian brother was Ananias. The first words that Saul heard from another believer's lips was the lovely word, brother. Amen. Now I know that doesn't have a lot of, of weight with some of you because that word's been used a lot around the church and it's been used a lot in, in religious circles through the years until now most churches get away from that terminology. They don't refer to one another as brother or sister. They speak of Mr. and Mrs. But I think when we do that, we take away a ministry that the church has. And I think we take away an opportunity that we have as a church family to reach out to people that are hurting, people that don't deserve it. You know what was interesting to me is that he called him a brother before he ever proved that he was a brother. Now, I know that's unlike anywhere in this world that I live in. 
I mean, when you come in the church nowadays, you've got to live so many months and weeks before anybody recognizes you to be what you are. But Saul had the opportunity of being ushered in at the very beginning before he had ever proven himself, before he ever made good on what God had done with him. Ananias reached out and embraced him, and in doing so, he introduced him to the family of God. To me, that's the language of the church. That should be the language of this church. It is a language of welcome. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your record is. When you walk through those doors, there's a hand reaching out to you. And there's a word that's going to be expressed to you that's going to make you welcome in this house. Amen. It was, in fact, the language of love. It was as if he said, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what people have said. I just want you to know, welcome, my brother. Amen. What a word to speak to somebody who comes through a door. When you never know how blind they may be and how lonely and how hurt they may be and you don't ever know what kind of confused state they have come to this church in. But when they walk through those doors, there's got to be an atmosphere and a language that is spoken around this church that says, you are welcome here. You are in the right place and you have come at the right time. Amen. This should be the language of the church at all times. But unfortunately, it's not always been that way. So many times when people walk through the doors, we're analyzing them, trying to figure out how they can benefit the church instead of how the church can benefit them. We're looking at them and in ways of trying to figure out how we can use them. Are they going to be a good tither? Are they going to be a good giver? And before any of that was ever dealt with, before any of that was ever reckoned with, Ananias reached out with a hand and said, I want you to know you have come to the right place, Saul, and you are in the right place for God to do something great with you. Amen. This should be the language of our church at all times. A language of kindness. A language of inclusiveness. This is not an exclusive club around here. That's why we have name tags on. That's why we ask you to go across the aisle because everybody has their little creature comforts. They get acclimatized to. We sit in a certain place and if anybody by chance gets there before we do, we can't even have a good service because we're so bent out of shape because somebody got our seat. One thing we will never do around here. I've had people ask me to do it. I'll never do it. People want us to let people buy pews. Not on your life. Because they think because their name's on the end of it, that belongs to them. No, that belongs to the Lord. And everybody that walks through our doors are welcome to sit anywhere they want to sit. And we're going to welcome them with an open arm and say, you're in the right place. You've come to the right house. You've not lost your way, but you've actually found your way. 
Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. To some, this word brother is archaic. But there's life in that word when you're in a place like Saul was. To hear that word had to be the most comforting word that this man could have heard. Because it meant you're no longer an outsider. You're no longer an enemy. Has it ever occurred to you that when people come into our midst that don't know us, they are not sure how they're going to be treated. And there is a great possibility that they have been other places where they were mistreated. And the last thing that needs to happen when somebody walks through the doors of Greater Life Church is for that experience to be stamped. I've been here and done that. There need to be something that happens when they walk through our doors. There needs to be an arm that's reaching out to them. There needs to be a smile that's greeting them. And there needs to be words on our lips that say, You, you have come at the right time. You have come to the right place. Amen. It's far more than a religious expression. It was introducing Saul to a society of believers. The church should be the welcoming place of all welcoming places. Every bar has its happy hour. And most of them have a half price happy hour. Well, folks, I have news for you. We have happy hour every hour. And it's all free. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to bring an offering. If you have one, you need to bring it. But if you come without one, you're still welcome in the house of the Lord. You can still worship among us and we will still reach out to you and love you. You know, the best way to get to know someone is to extend a hand of fellowship their way. Quit waiting on somebody to come to you and go to them. Amen. I've been needing to get to know you. My name is, and yours is the greatest way I know of to break the ice. Because you're expressing a need and a desire for relationship. And you're forgetting your prejudices. Oh yes, I wish we could do that around church. I wish we could forget our prejudices. Amen. I wish we could forget some of the things that we've learned through the years and realize that if there's going to be a place where people find help, it's got to be here. If there's going to be a place where people feel loved, it's got to be here. If there's going to be a place where people feel welcomed, it's got to be here. If there's going to be a place where people can recover, it's got to be here. Not in an AA meeting, but in an apostolic Pentecostal service where the power of the Holy Ghost can transform their life. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. When this kind of language is heard, survival is possible, no matter how bad life has been. When this language is heard, forgiveness and compassion are wrapped up all in those gestures and those words. I remind you again that those were spoken to Paul or Saul before he ever proved himself, before he ever lived one day for the Lord, 
he was already embraced and welcomed. Amen. I wonder what would happen if we would be more inclusive. Amen. You say, well, really, use, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid. Paul had already had the Lord work him over. You don't ever know what's happened to a person before they get to our church services. Saul had had three days of silence and darkness for God to talk to him about who he was. He had plenty of time to repent and get right with God so that when Ananias came, he could tell him, you're here to receive the Holy Ghost. You're here to be transformed. You're here to experience the power of God in a way that you cannot even imagine. And he laid his hand on him and he welcomed him into the greatest thing that's ever happened on planet earth. Amen. The spirit of brotherhood. Amen. You're accepted. You're welcome. How many times have people come who are, who are alone and confused and with scales on their eyes and all they're waiting for is somebody just to reach out a hand and touch them and say, it's going to be all right. Amen. A word that includes them. Amen. A word that invites them. You see, I need your fellowship to be better. I don't know if you, you, you feel that way quite yet, but I need you to be better. I am made better by fellowshipping with people like you. All kinds of people. People that come from every kind of background that you can imagine sit on these pews. And I am made better because of this. But I have news for you. You're made better because you're here. Amen. You wouldn't want to know me outside the church. I'm just telling you right now, as difficult as I might be in the church, you don't want to know me outside the touch of the Holy Ghost. But because of a church that opened its arms and said, you're part of the family, come on in. I stand here today a better man. And you're a better person because somebody welcomed you and said, it's okay. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. We didn't take a list when you come through the door. We didn't have a scanner. You know, going, those, those new scanners that they have that can go down and they, they can dis- discern and decipher what you've got on you. We, we, we don't have one of those when you come through these doors. You, you don't have to come in here with something. I hope you come in here to get something. Because this is the place that you can get something that will change your life. You may have come in without anything, but I promise you, you can leave with something. And that something will enable you to bring something next time you come to the house of God. Amen. I'm closing. You see, not only do you need fellowship and I need fellowship to be better, but I need it to stay balanced. I need it to help me stay a good person, a balanced person. Amen. And I need each other. We need each other, I should say, because there's a strength that's involved when we come together. Amen. When we sit together in fellowship, there's something gained there 
that you can't find anywhere else. It's great to worship around the altar. And that's the great part about the church. We're always going to have that. We're always going to have an altar for people to come to. And we're going to have a place for people to pray. But when we've done all of that, that's not all we can do. We can sit down across the table from one another. And we can get to know one another in a more meaningful way and gain strength from that fellowship. Amen. I'm so thankful that Ananias refused to let Paul's hostility toward him make him hostile toward Saul. Amen. I am so thankful that there is a church like Greater Life where people can walk through our doors and it doesn't matter what they've done. There's forgiveness enough around here for everything. Amen. Oh, I wish somebody believed that. Amen. I, I, I want there to be enough forgiveness around here that no matter what people have done, when they walk through these doors, they find hope and a better life. The language of the church. Brother, sister, amen. You're part of my family. I'm part of your family. Amen. A touch that can make all the difference in the world. That's what we need more than we need new lights, more than we need new programs, more than we need new ministries, more than we need greater ministries. We need a ministry of the body to the body. It is that body working together that keeps it healthy. Amen. When you get something that goes wrong in your physical body, other parts of your body rush to its aid. If you happen to get an infection in your hand, blood vessels and other things that are in your extremities run to that hurt to help minister healing. And so it should be in the body. Always an outflowing of healing. Always an outflowing of help. Always a giving of something that will transform the lives of people. Let's stand together.